Robbie. And I'm Kim, and we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida, ghosts, legends, and more with a healthy dose of debunking. There's going to be a lot of debunking today. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah, dude. I went on like a debunking spree for this for this topic. Oh, I'm so excited. It should be a good time. It's a little something different for us, too. I know. I feel like I've just been like eagerly waiting to record with you to hear all Yay. about it. <laughs> uh, we are heading back into curses today, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we've really only done once before. That's correct. It was about a chair that you hated because it was I cursed. You didn't think it was cursed. I did. I got, I got angry at that <laughs> you chair. You were very angry at that chair. <laughs> um, like we talked a little bit about like the Jake Bird hex. Yes. I think that's the closest uh, outside of the the cursed chair we've come to talking about some kind of curse. And that wasn't really the focus of the episode. It was just no. a little component a little of it. Fun fact. A little bunch of heart attacks, right? A little bunch of heart attacks. Yeah, it really was. It was like a series of heart attacks and I think like a case of pneumonia. <laughs> so really just unhealthy people. <laughs> who, who, who lived, you know... 80 years ago. <laughs> Which could be a hex or it could just be, you know, Darwinism. So well, a like, bunch of them were old, too. Yeah. Darwinism. Yeah. yeah. If saying. you're not sure what we're talking about, uh, you can check the episode out, Jake Bird. It's one of Kim's personal obsessions. It is. It is. Yeah. Or the, the curse of, of the chair. <laughs> or the curse of the chair. The correct. The chair, yes. The curse chair. That was a good um, one, too. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, scu- my my level of scullying aside, you did you did good research for that. Oh, thanks. The level of scullying included. <laughs> it was also a good time. <laughs> um, so podcast wife, podcast wife, yes. Dear dear Mulder to my scully. Yes. Uh, do you believe in curses? I totally believe in curses, but okay. I also am Mulder, so I believe in a lot of things. Sure. So there's that. There is that. Um, I have to say personally. I I am I have yet to find compelling evidence 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 of a curse or at least a curse where I'm willing to like lean into it and say yeah sure uh, <laughs> I, you know what I mean like we're 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 I I think there's there's anything behind it uh, today what we're going to be hitting on is actually I think this is going to be the first of probably many because there are many yeah we're going to be looking at a cursed film. What better film to kick it off with than what is considered by many to be one of the scariest and most brilliant horror films ever made, The Exorcist. Yes. Have you seen The Exorcist? Yes, but not in a long, 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 long time. Okay, so this is interesting. Did you see The Exorcist as as a child or a young person? As a teenager. Okay. Were you scared by it? Yes, definitely was scared by it as a child. Uh, and also, my mom didn't like me watching stuff like that. So, really, I, I was that type of person that would do the things my parents told me not to do. Surprise, surprise. Uh, it's my so, shocked face that y'all can't see at home, but I'm wearing a shocked face right now. So, I remember watching it at a friend's house and mm-hmm. I like hid behind the couch. Like, it oh, was, wow. I was like scared. And I, I remember like not telling my mom because I knew it would be an I told you so moment. Uh, so, I just kept it a nice secret for a long time. Well, you know, okay, so what's funny is when I was younger, um, 
my my parents did not have the same qualms about showing me uh, horror films. Well, my mother, my mother liked the monster movies, so I grew up watching horror. Uh, as did my brother. In fact, I watched a couple movies I probably shouldn't have because of my brother. But I remember my dad talking about The Exorcist because it was a movie that like messed him up. And to be fair, my dad's side of the family is severely Catholic. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I didn't see the movie myself into my early 20s, and I do have to say, seeing it later, it did not have the impact on me I think it had on others. Like, I thought it was was fantastic. I thought it was fascinating and, and a really interestingly done film. Uh-huh. Did not find it scary at all. At all. Uh, but by the time I was in my 20s, I, I'd be hard-pressed to point to a whole lot of films I found scary at that point. I was going to say, you've been desensitized since you were a wee little one. Yeah, I, I, I passed being super scared from a horror film sometime in my teenage years. Um, now, my little disclaimer that I, I love to put anytime I'm talking about anything that's in any way old... Uh, while researching this, there was a lot of diverging facts, uh, and in some cases, deliberate misinformation. Oh, look at that. Yeah, look at that. So I am I am reporting things to the best of my ability and to the best of my researching skills. Uh, there are some things that may have slipped past me or, or things that, that are... Um, you may have heard differently. Again, I, I did my best when I found anything that, that contradicted itself to go through and find as many sources to verify one way or another. But, you know, we are, we are talking about a curse, so it's not exactly absolutes. Sure. <laughs> the movie came out in 1973. It was based on the William Peter Blatty novel of the same name. And basically it's a film about a 12 year old girl played by Linda Blair named Reagan. And Reagan is possessed by a demon named Pazuzu. After she plays within a Ouija board. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. That's another episode we should do at some point. The history of the Ouija board. <gasps> I've been wanting to do that forever. <sighs> There's so much. There's so, and it's so much sculling to be done by Kim. Hmm. Perfect episode. I know. Kim just gets like, I just got a little thrill chill from thinking about all the sculling. <laughs> What's that say about me? Uh, her mother ultimately brings in two priests who go about exercising this demon from her. Fun side note, Pazuzu is a real demon in ancient Mesopotamian religion. Uh, he was considered the king of the demons, which is kind of awesome. That's rad. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I don't know if I should have to say this, but I'm going to say this anyway, just because I don't want to get any messages from people over Instagram. Um, it is inevitable while we are discussing this movie that there might be spoilers. <laughs> Uh, AKA spoiler alert. If spoiler you haven't alert. gone and seen the exorcist, pause this, go watch it. Come back. Yeah. If you haven't seen a movie that came out 50 years ago, go watch it because it came out 50 years ago <laughs> and That's it's cool. awesome. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Uh, now I'm also going to say this may or may not be an unpopular opinion. Gabby, feel free to disagree to your heart's content and to molder me. See, oh. ooh, can we? That's like reverse <gasps> reverse sculling me. Ooh, can you molder me? That's awesome. Oh, that sounds sexual. I don't know how that how I feel. About I'm fine that. with it. I'm I'm kind of into <laughs> it actually. <laughs> I want you to molder me. Oh my god, maybe we'll see. Let's see how this date goes. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Do you not molder on the first date? I take some warming up. 
I scully all the time. <laughs> I scully in public. I scully with strangers. Wow, wow, wow. I walk down the street and I just scully left and right. You just you just look at someone and you're like, no, you're no. wrong. And then you keep walking. <laughs> and then I whisper evidence in their face and I keep on down the road. That's how I live my life. Oh, man. We have to just, like, hang out one time and, like, I'll pretend I see a ghost and you'll debunk it in public in front of people. Could you imagine? I'm imagining in my head right now and it's my favorite thing I've ever thought of in my life. It's beautiful. (laughs) And can we record it and have it for our Patreon? Yes. Oh, my God. Look (laughs) at these ideas. What a brainstorm. Brainstorm session. You are all witnessing live, not live, but being recorded live. (laughs) A brainstorm <laughs> session. Uh, no, I am. I am not somebody who is is going to be sitting here saying I think this film was cursed. I, I'm going to be sculling left and right, and I encourage Gabby to molder me uh, if she disagrees with me. Sure. Uh, I think that the marketing team for The Exorcist did what they are paid to do, and and 100 leaned into the idea that this was a cursed film to sell tickets. I mean, the same way uh, you have a lot of actors who are, are paired up in a film suddenly dating in real life, like the Twilight people. <laughs> it's yep. a gimmick. Or Tom Holland and Zendaya, but I kind of hope that's real. Because, like, those two crazy kids, they just, they just look so cute together. <laughs> wow, Kim's heart just got a little warmer. It, it beat for, like, a second and a half, and then it stopped again. Um, there was a lot of controversy with the film, the religious element, obviously, uh, the violence, the language. There's there's some kind of alarming, even by today's standards, alarming uh, moments with Reagan. At one point, she's she's masturbating with a cross, which. Whew, uh, so, you know, you would have have these reports coming out of screenings that that the film was inviting the devil into the theater. Uh I feel like I, I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to say this. That, that that did not happen. The devil did not pop out of a movie screen. Sorry, y'all. However, wouldn't that be a fun time to have someone dress up as a devil and pop through the screen? Dude. You know, I, <laughs> I saw a screening. I saw a screening of The Princess Bride at, at um, SIF. And, and the uh, devil popped out. No, but a giant <laughs> rat popped out. And then we hit him with inflatable swords and it was a beautiful moment. Uh, That's very funny. I love that. I love it. It was, it was, it was amazing. Um, anyway, let's, let's, let's dive in though. Yes. So right from the get go of filming, some things went wrong. Yeah. Max von Sido, who played father Lancaster Marin, who's one of the priests, his brother died on the first day of filming. Linda Blair's grandfather also died early into filming. Now, because I'm going to kind of scully as we go along, I feel like that's the only way I can really deal with this is to to scully uh, as you go, as we go, scully as we go. Linda Blair's grandfather, the fact that he was her grandfather tells me he was probably already a man of a certain age. I feel like the fact that that this man was her grandfather, like I, I couldn't figure out exactly how old he was. I was I was trying, but I was not able to find out that information. But. The time anyone reaches the age of grandfather does not mean you can't be young, but I, I, I question less if you die. <laughs> Sorry. Especially in the 1970s. And I'm really, really, really reluctant to be like, this is obviously a curse. 
there's... Well, right away, I would agree. I mean, there's not enough information at that point. No. And and Max von Sydow's brother, uh, I another one where I kind of tried to find out his age or the exact cause of death, and I was unsuccessful other than I saw it referenced as being sudden and untimely, which is, is very, very sad. But unless he was, like, struck by lightning in the middle of the street... <laughs> Again, I'm hard-pressed to say just because somebody died connected to a person involved in this filming that it was automatically a curse. I don't know. What do you think? No, I agree. I think that it, it's, like I said, it's not enough stuff. Like, there there has to be, like, more stuff involved yeah. in order to make it feel cursy, you know? Yeah. Feel cursy. cursy. Well, well, we'll keep going and see if it feels more cursy. Okay. Um, two actors also would die shortly after filming. Jack McGowan, who had a supporting role, and actually his character dies in the film. Right. He died uh, quite shortly after completing his his filming. Yeah. Wasn't it from the flu? Yeah. He had uh, complications from the. There was apparently a London flu epidemic in in the late seventies, and he was fifty four years old and had a bout of influenza. He was in the middle of uh, a a show on Broadway, and died. And a couple of the reports said something. It had something to do with his heart, but it, my understanding is the influenza affected his heart. Mm. Uh, and I'm gonna forgive me if I completely butcher this woman's name, um, Vasiliki Maliaros who also died shortly after filming and her character also died in the film. However, woman was 89 years old, almost 90 years old. That's old. At that point, no one is surprised when you die. I'm no. sorry. No, no. Like you can be sad. It can be tragic, but nobody is surprised when an 89 year old in 1973 Dies. It's not a curse. It's not her. a curse. It's called we all die. Sure. Except for me. I'm going to live forever. Or Fame. she'll haunt you. Or she'll haunt you forever. One or, or the I'll other. Haunt you forever. Eh, either or. Kim will always be around. Don't worry about it. Worry about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, during production one night, the set caught fire. No one was hurt. But it did a lot of damage. It put filming back about six weeks because they had to completely rebuild. Strangely, though, okay, this one is a little bit weird. Um, Reagan's bedroom, which is where the bulk of the exorcism takes place, Mm -hmm. that portion of the set was undamaged. Did you scully it? Tell me you scully it. I, I mean, like, it's weird, but, like, I don't know. I don't know that I see anything supernatural about part of a set not being damaged. Like, there's a lot of reasons it could have been if it, if the doors were closed. It was a bedroom, so if depending on where the fire started, it seems like it was probably an electrical fire from everything I read. If the doors were closed on the house set, uh, then yeah, it may have been fine when all is said and done. If the fire starts on the other end of the house, because what I I also did not read. You know, special attention was paid to the fact that her bedroom was undamaged. But if the fire started on the first floor, was it that the second floor in general was more undamaged because the fire started on the first floor? I think the bigger question is, was that the only room that was untouched? It was very unclear. It is the only room they talk about being untouched. But again, if you are crafting a narrative, of course, that's the only room you're going to talk about being untouched. So that's... That's potentially shady shit. 
They nowhere in my research did it say the only room that was undamaged. It just pointed out that that room was undamaged, which is very specific to point out, though. Like, if I'm crafting a narrative, right. it's not. If I'm trying to create the idea of a curse, it's not. Because sure. it's not like a cross spontaneously combusted. That's fair. It was an electrical fire, which happens on sets. Right. So, I, I mean, again, I, I come back to if you are trying to make facts look a certain way, sure, that's shady shit. But if an electrical fire started in another part of the set and it didn't reach the portion of the set where the bedroom was until it had already been put out, that's just, you know, fires, fire. man. <coughs> That's just fires, man. That's just fires, man. Fire's got a fire. It's pretty toasty. <laughs> uh, so then the son of Jason Miller, who plays Father Damien Karras, he was nearly killed in a motorcycle accident. It definitely happens, uh, but I had trouble finding a lot of details on it. It most likely was his son, Jordan, who would have been fairly young at the time, but it, it, it trying to get any information beyond that was kind of sketchy. In fact, even there's misreports that the child was killed. No, he was very grievously injured, but he survived. Hmm. And it's just another thing that gets looped into, it was the curse. Well, I feel like any time, to your point of trying to create a narrative, like... If you try to create a narrative about literally anything, <laughs> you can do it. Yep. It just is about how you go about it. So, like, it could be just, you know, a bunch of commonalities that a lot of old people that were hired for this movie all died around the same time. Mm-hmm. And that things that happen at movies, sets like fires that are electrical from time to time happened around then, too. And then someone, all it takes that one person to be like it's a curse especially when you are looking at a movie that is dealing with demons and the devil right and religion uh something that came up a lot in my research actually is that after the exorcist came out requests for exorcisms skyrocketed i believe it yeah Uh, There was a report that a carpenter cut off some of his own fingers during construction of the set. And there was another article I read in the Fresno Bee that said it was a carpenter who cut off his toe. And then there was some other things I read that said it was more than one person who lost more than one tiny part of their body. Now, none of these sources gave names or gave any more specifics. So could it have happened? I mean, I spent a fair amount of time in, in like, set shops. Yeah, definitely. I've seen how people use those saws and don't always pay a ton of attention. Uh, could have been a curse? Eh, I mean, again, to your point at this point, yes, anything we're going to point to and say it was the curse. If I had a mildly bad day, I could point to that and be like, it was the curse. Yeah. More likely it was an accident. I mean, it kind of comes back to also I feel like that self-fulfilling prophecy. If I wake up in the morning and a couple bad things happen and I say to myself, ugh, this is just going to be a really shitty day. Then it's going to be a shitty day. Yeah, because no matter what happens, I'm going to point to that and be like, see, I was right. This is a shitty day. So we get in our heads and then we just start looking for things. Um, Now... 
Miller, that's uh, Jason Miller, he was supposedly approached by a priest on the street who gave him a medallion and warned him against those who do things to, quote, reveal the devil for the trickster that he is. He will seek retribution against you or he will even try to stop what you are trying to do to unmask him. Which, okay, sure. that that probably very likely happened. Uh, it's, there was multiple reports I saw of, of people telling this story. But uh, again, I don't really see this having anything to do with the curse and more just like a priest being a priest. Right. I was going to say, too, like if they knew what they were filming about, I could oh, see yeah. why a priest would say something like that to them. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, like, don't I, fuck with this shit. Like, yeah. this is something not to fuck with. Please don't do this. That's probably I, what he was saying. Right. I remember a tour I gave uh, in Pioneer Square one time where there was some religious guy, I don't know, protesting something or telling people yay jesus and uh he was standing at the corner near where i was telling my stories and so he started yelling at me that i was telling the stories of demons <laughs> why wasn't i there for that that would have been so funny to see it was oh it was amazing because he was just like you're telling the demon stories and i was like yeah i am thank you sir <laughs> thank you so much these are demon stories well, would you like to hear say? more of them did he say something he kind of didn't know what to do with me <laughs> and eventually walked away because he, he then he just kept yelling but gabby we've met i'm loud um <laughs> i can be loud i every so often somebody on on the streets of pioneer square like wants to try to one-up me and i'm like oh that's cute have a seat ma'am yeah uh and and i can out loud anyone even somebody with a bullhorn and so um he eventually moved on. <laughs> I think partially too, because I, I just thought it was funny. I'm really sad I missed that. Oh, it was great. That was a great moment. I'll have to go back and find out. I, I think I've posted some stuff on Facebook about it, so I'll have to send that to you. Uh, now, uh, Linda Blair, who played Reagan, she had her lower spine fractured during a scene where her body oh, yeah. is convulsing. Mm -hmm. And she would later say in the, the Cursed Films episode of The Exorcist, and it's if you've not seen it, there's a, I'll talk about it more in Creepy Critic Corner, but it's fantastic. She would say, I'm crying. I'm screaming. They think I'm acting up a storm. It fractured my lower spine. She had come loose from the, the harness and she was not sent to a doctor. And that is the scene used in the film. I knew that. That's so brutal. And that sucks yeah. so bad for her. One well, and, and in the same vein, Ellen Burstyn, who played Chris, Reagan's mother, she was severely injured in a scene where she gets yanked back by a harness, and it actually left her with permanent damage to her spine. She actually said in a 2018 Guardian interview, I said, he's pulling me too hard. Billy Friedkin, who is the, the film's director, mm -hmm. said, well, it has to look real. I said, I know it has to look real, but I'm telling you, I could get hurt. So Billy said, okay, don't pull her so hard. And as I turned away, I felt him signal the guy, and he smashed me on the floor. I expected Billy to yell, cut. Instead, I saw him touch the cameraman's arm to move the camera closer, and I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Through my screams, I said, turn the fucking camera off. Oh, damn. So apparently, Friedkin had not been satisfied with that initial take, and he actually told the guy operating the harness to yank her super hard. So yeah, if That's you tell someone up. to yank the shit out of someone, you will probably injure the actor on the other side. And again, that is the shot that they use in the film. But like, here's the thing. Okay, A, people get hurt during films. 
uh, you look at how many stunt people get severely injured doing doing action movies or who have even been killed. It's a lot. There is always a risk. Like I, I look at for myself. I played sports up until I was a teenager, and I still the most injured I have ever been has always been from acting. I've gotten concussions. I've broken toes, cracked ribs, busted ankles and knees on stage during a show. Yeah, I remember you telling me about it. Yeah. So this is not a curse. This is the abuse actors are put through. Sure. Just the fact that he was doing it like intentionally, though, like is he had a reputation, too. Like a borderline abusive reputation to get what he wanted on camera. And he was not alone. You you look back at all of these directors. I mean, my God, again, Alfred Hitchcock yeah. was a dick. An yeah. abusive dick. A lot of, of these male directors were willing to put their female actors through hell to get the result they wanted. So at one point, a Jesuit priest, uh, Thomas N. King, he was actually brought in to bless the set. And this did happen. But again, this sort of thing is, is not uncommon, um, especially if you're doing a, a, a play or a film about anything supernatural or demonic. Like, I actually served as a consultant for a play in late 2019 called The Brothers Paranormal. I was their horror and paranormal consultant. I remember. Yeah, it was super fun. The cast was awesome. The play was awesome. The the group that did it, Porkfield Productions, is is such a fabulous theater company in Seattle. Um, but I, I remember the director who who um, is 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 a friend of mine and who I also work with at another theater. Like she brought in a, a Buddhist monk to do a blessing on the show because some of the actors were so freaked out. Uh, so. Uh, this sort of thing was was common. Like I, I I even remember I had done a little investigation in the space uh, during rehearsals and and got some kind of funny hits and the actors and crew lost their minds. And the thing is, is not everybody on the crew or, or all of the actors were believers, but they fed off of it. They fed off of the reactions of each other. Yeah. They fed off of what was happening. And that's normal. That's human. There's a reason mm-hmm. mass hysteria is a thing, right? This priest who they brought in, this Jesuit priest, uh, he gave an interview with the the Fresno Bee, and he said that there was actually a line of dialogue that had to be changed. That Ellen Burstyn, who played, again, Reagan's mother, was originally supposed to be asked at the end of the film if she believes in the devil, and she was supposed to respond, yes, I believe in the devil. Allegedly, according to King, Burstyn refused to say this line because she was afraid of the devil having power over her, and... The thing is, is, is in later interviews and, and more current interviews, um, Ellen Burstyn has talked about her time on the film, has talked about how she she's not a believer in, in, in this sort of thing. She's not a practicing Catholic. And yet I still would completely believe in the moment at the time people getting freaked out. Yeah. Especially if you're surrounded by other people who are freaked out. Yeah. So the next couple stories are one I read about, but... All of the accounts were secondhand. Not a single one was was backed up with a name or a source, which makes me suspect it. So apparently a special effects expert died during filming, uh, as did the baby of one of the crew members. It looks like um, a, a baby of a crew member, possibly a cameraman, was, was stillborn. 
And a security guard was also said to have died. But again, I could not find anything other than people recounting this. I couldn't find names. I couldn't find more specifics, which I'm not saying that these things did not happen. I just always find a little suspicious when I I can't find anything to verify it. When I cannot find the evidence. 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 but what about the okay? So so the book. This was based on a book, right? And and the the author actually served as the screenwriter too. He based this on a real story. Could could this be influencing it? So the the novel was inspired by the exorcism of a thirteen year old boy who was only known as Roland Doe, and this took place in April of nineteen forty nine. Apparently, Roland's aunt was a spiritualist and something of a medium and taught Roland about uh, conducting seances and and how to use a Ouija board. Well, his aunt died suddenly, and he was was really impacted by this death. He starts trying to contact his aunt using the Ouija board. If this sounds a little familiar, yes, it is similar to what Reagan does in the film. Sure. And not too long after, the family starts experiencing a bunch of strange phenomena noises, things moving, and it's escalating, right? And it all seems to be centered around Roland. Now, I do feel like this is important to note. His family was not Catholic. They were Lutheran. Okay. They consulted their reverence, and it was him that suggested that maybe Roland was possessed and to call in the Catholics. So this young priest was consulted, but realized pretty quickly uh, he was over his head and brought in a more experienced one. And so over the coming days, a lot of crazy shit's going down. Like words being carved into Roland's skin, him lashing out violently, having fits, which, again, if you've seen the movie, this might be ringing some bells. Uh... It, it was enough, like, I'm, I'm way glossing over all the details. We may at some point want to cover this, because uh, it's, it's really interesting when I was doing, when I was doing some digging on it. It, it. it did sound really cool. Nice. Um, so, ultimately, the exorcism was deemed successful, and Roland was okay. People use this. They point to this movie, they point to this book, and they see it was based on something real, and look what you're messing with. If I might politely scully for a moment. <clears throat> I haven't even said anything yet. And I love I, how you're asking permission. <laughs> go for it. I'm please, not stopping please, you. Please to scully. <laughs> please to scully. Go for please it. Please to scully. Um, apparently, Roland had quite the reputation as a prankster. Ah, that checks. And more than one priest actually saw him with his fingernail, like writing his words into his own skin. Oof. So when it all came down to it, this was deemed a hoax. Okay. So all of these situations, I don't even know the right word for it, all these things, these great, great things are happening. They're making their way into the news. People are talking. Again, good PR. Friedkin himself is like, let's lean into this because Catholics get scared Catholics think this is real. A PR person was actually told to create danger around the film. 
So they start saying things like, you know, oh, pregnant women, you shouldn't see this. Oh, we will no. provide you barfing bags in case you need to barf. Uh, ambulances are going to be outside because so many people are going to have extreme reactions to this. It was released on December 26th of 1973, which is Boxing Day in Europe. Mm -hmm. And this was a deliberate move on the production's part to, again, drum up more controversy, more people talking about this because you're releasing it during the religious holidays. So people who see the movie are so freaked out, they're fainting. In fact, one woman actually passed out, broke her jaw. Oh, my God. Sued the production. She sued Warner Brothers, and, and they settled out of court. She got some money from it. Dang. Um, honestly, all that tells me is that you're maybe a human who shouldn't go see a scary movie. Definitely. But, uh, you know. Neither here nor uh, there. Apparently someone attacked the screen in San Francisco because they were convinced that evil spirits were in the room. But again, hang out in Pioneer Square for an afternoon. That doesn't seem that odd. <laughs> That's also true. There's also these things. They're, they're called drugs. Well, shit, man. I remember when I saw Dr. Sleep in the theaters with um, a, a friend of mine and they had to stop the movie because some dude just starts yelling at the screen. What? Really? Yeah. And this was, you know, two years ago. <laughs> when did Dr. Sleep come out? 2019? Yeah. Dang. So none of these are things that are new phenomenon. Uh, lightning is said to have struck a 400-year-old church nearby during the movie's premiere in Rome. Okay, listen, I can't really scully that, but, like, it's weather. <laughs> That's how you scully it. It's weather. It's weather. It's weather. And apparently, like, one of the reports I read said that there was, like, a thunderstorm or a lightning storm happening. So, like, again, weather. Weather. <laughs> weather, y'all. It happens. Lightning. Lightning strikes things. It wasn't, like, out of nowhere the sky became black and lightning came out and killed somebody. It's like there was a storm going on and lightning struck something. That's to be expected in that situation. Right? But, like, it's this is all so good for their ticket sales. The hype around this movie fueled record-breaking box offices. It, it earned more than $441 million, which Damn. by today's standards is, is like, $1.8-plus billion. Damn. It was the first horror film nominated for a Best Picture Oscar. That's awesome. Like, shit. <laughs> That's pretty serious. It's serious. But people are not letting go of this idea of a curse, and it was apparently not over. So there's a couple other actors who died, and, and this is, I'm, I'm like, oh man, I'm like the scully in me is just itching to, to bat these down, so bear with me. Bearing. Lee Cobb, who played uh, Lieutenant Kinderman, he died of a heart attack three years after the film was released at the age of 64. Three years, three years later. He was 64, he had a heart attack. That sounds like health problems at an older age. In the 1970s. Yeah. Yep. That checks. Uh, Barton Heyman, who played Dr. Klein, shows up in the list of people whose deaths are sometimes attributed to the curse. And this is also, man, this is such a great example to me of, of why people are stupid. No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say that. That's me. <laughs> people are stupid, though. Um, of why people... <laughs> of why people are willing to let anything shape their narrative. So, okay. 
Barton Heyman, he dies of heart failure at the age of 59. Right. In 1996. That's a long time later. 23 years, Gabby. It's 23 years after. 23 years. 23. Yeah, 23. I don't, I don't think that that has anything to do with the exorcist. So I'm just going to say that now. And like there, there's other actors who there's sometimes like they just they died, so they're like, oh, it must have been the curse, because they just died. They died because eventually people die. Are it we happens. all cursed, Gabby? Are we all cursed? Maybe, maybe. Now, okay, this one, this one is 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 actually a really fucked up thing that happens. You know, it's messed up because I actually said fucked up and I don't actually drop the F-bomb on the podcast. I drop it in life all the time, but I try not to drop it on the podcast a whole lot. That's fair. Mercedes Markle. Mercedes did the voice of the demon. And this is another one where I'm not even going to get into some of her history. Fascinating woman. And what she put herself through to get the voice of the demon. And for anyone who's seen the film, you know how impactful, how um, the voice of Pazuzu is, is chilling. Mm-hmm. Even today it's chilling. And she put herself through hell. Her son, John, he had recently been fired from his job for misusing and embezzling funds. Oof. At 2.30 a.m. on November 16th, as a thunderstorm raged outside, he put on a Halloween mask that looked like an old man with a bald head, bushy eyebrows, beard, and a mustache. He walked through his house, shot his wife, Christina, and his daughters, Amy, 13, and Suzanne, 9. Oh, my God. He then phoned his attorney, told him what he had done. At approximately 4.30 a.m., his attorney arrived at his home with a police officer only to find John dead from simultaneous self-inflicted gunshot wounds. He apparently had a gun in each hand and shot him at the same time. Jeez. He, He left a note, and the note said, Let it hereby be stated... As true that I, John L. Markle, murdered my wife and two children, Amy and Suzanne, then committed suicide myself. My wife had no knowledge or part in this. I think the evidence shall so provide. Damn. Yeah. That's and this fucked is, up. It's <laughs> fucked up. It's, it's so tragic. And if this had happened immediately around the vicinity of the film, I would have said... You know what? Yeah, that is a little bit of compelling evidence for a curse. This is messed up. You know when it happened? 20 years later. 1987. 14 years later. Close. Close. So again, to tie that to a curse. That's a stretch. It's a stretch. It's so, so tragic. Super tragic. But I almost feel like you are doing... The victim's a disservice by to saying tie it's it. a curse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, no, it's a disturbed individual who murdered his wife and children. Yeah. And it was not a curse. It was not a Hollywood curse, a film curse. It was not the devil. It was somebody who had 
problems. Made, had problems and made some very, very sad choices. Okay, so again, the next thing is, is again, something I wouldn't really say is part of a curse and more just really bonkers trivia, but it is, it is 100% true. And there is a, a fantastic article that goes into so much more depth about it. It was written by Matt Miller and it ran in, in an issue of Esquire. It is available online. It's in the sources. Okay. So in 1972, William Friedkin, he's scouting locations for The Exorcist, right? Uh Uh-huh. He goes to uh, what was at the time the university hospital at New York University. And he watches this procedure get done. It involves sticking uh, a needle into a patient's artery, and in doing so, blood spurts out. And he was like, dude... Oh, no. That's cool. I want this in my movie. So. Real blood. Well, no. But he wanted what happened. He wanted the audience to jump. He wanted them to see this procedure. Ah. In order to add an air of authenticity, though, he wanted everybody who he saw performing that procedure to be the ones doing the fake procedure, but doing it in the movie. Because he thought... uh, it would be more authentic. He thought it would be scarier. So the the doctor, the nurse, and the radiology tech, whose name was Paul Bateson, he asked them to appear in his film as the doctor, the nurse, and the radiology tech. And, like, they all say yes. And this scene, again, for those of you who have seen the movie, it is a messed up scene, partially because it is so real. Um, Reagan's mother brings her to have tests run, and and you see this procedure being done on her and it, it is kind of upsetting. And Bateson, Paul Bateson, he has a couple lines. He helps move her to the table. It is, it is a really memorable scene. We're going to fast forward a couple of years and Gabby, this might actually ring a little bit of a bell with you. Oh, because, uh, when we guested on Vivian's podcast, yep. We, we touched on this. A number of bodies had been showing up, dismembered, put into bags, tossed into the Hudson River in New York in the late 70s. Yep. On September 14th of 1977, the body of Addison Verrill, who was a film reporter for Variety, his body was found in his apartment. Just over a week after the murder, someone called the editor of The Village Voice, a man named Arthur Bell, who had written an article about the murder... Um, and noted in his article that it seemed as though Veril had to have known his killer. So this man calls Arthur Bell, confesses to the murder, gives details that had not been released to the public, says, I'm not a psychopath, but I'm an alcoholic. It was a crime of passion. So Arthur Bell contacts the police. They wait. He's contacted again. And this time someone says Paul Bateson is the killer. The very same Paul Bateson who was in that scene. Dang. Police go to the apartment. He's drunk. He says he knows why they're there. And he gestures to a headline about Verrill's murder. And he he would ultimately confess he was convicted. Um, The kicker is... That uh, he became the scapegoat for these other deaths. And and I want to be clear. He was never charged with any of the other bodies uh, dumped in the river. 
And I'm sorry, Verl's death doesn't match the other murders. Outside of all of them being gay men. Sure. Bateson was released in 2003. By all accounts, he is still alive, uh, although no one's been able to reach him. So Friedkin would play into this lore. Again, Friedkin, he's a smart man. He knows how to market things. Yeah, he wants to make money. He says he, he went to see Bateson. He was inspired by Bateson to do the movie Cruising, which is about a police officer going undercover in the gay scene to try and catch a serial killer. I don't think that any of this has to do with a curse. It's bonkers. But I, I mean, what it comes down to to me, you have hundreds and hundreds of people involved in, in making any sort of major studio film, right? Mm-hmm. Beyond the actors, you have the crew, you have carpenters, you have caterers, you have consultants, you have so many people. And, and so it's kind of like playing six degrees of Kevin Bacon. If I start looking for things, if I start trying to connect things, yeah, of course I'm going to find someone with a criminal history. I'm going to find somebody who had relatives die. I'm going to find somebody with with tragedy. Look at, you know, Rodney Alcala, who the dating game killer. Or Woody Harrelson's dad, who was a contract killer. There's all kinds of weird shit if you start digging and you want to try to shape a narrative. Yeah. Because that's what happened. This curse happened because somebody was lining everything up. Everyone has different degrees of tragedy in their life. If all of these tragic events had literally happened during filming, all of them, one after another, yes, that would absolutely have been one thing. But, But when you're pulling things that happened decades and decades and years after the fact, like, I'm sorry, you're trying a little too hard. Yeah. If, if you put the histories of hundreds of people involved in this film up there as, as, as being up for grabs for a curse, of course you're going to find some crazy stuff. Um, now, what I will say is that I, I found an article that was written in 2004 by a man named Glenn Lovell. And uh, it happened when in one of the sequels, I think it was Exorcist the Beginning, was getting ready to open. So they were revisiting a lot of things, and they were mentioning the curse, because of course, even then, they were trying to, to reignite this idea that there was a curse attached to the Exorcist films. Right. So um, they, they interviewed Blatty, who was the writer of the original novel and the screenplay about... Uh, the, the, the film, and he is quoted as saying, curse? There is no curse. There never was. When you've been shooting over a year, it's always nice to have demons to blame. My favorite, though, is they called up Ellen Burstyn, and they asked her about the curse and, and the new film, and she said, quote, how can I talk about curses? I haven't seen the new movie. I'm making dinner. Call my agent. <laughs> I love everything about that so Hell much. Yeah. That's, that's the greatest response. And, it, and this article actually traced everything back to an interview that William Friedkin gave to Newsweek while they were actively filming. And so at that point, the fire had happened and Jack McGowan had died. And the reporter asked, do you think there's any connection between the production problems and the supernatural? And Friedkin apparently said, yes. So, yeah, if the director of the film is like, oh, yeah, totally, or there's a connection, of course a legend is going to, to be built, and, and, and as the PR department wants to lean into it, yes. Um, 
this is one that I, I remain very firmly on the skeptic side. I think it was good PR and a little bit of bad luck. But uh, Gabby, what do you think? It reminds me a lot of spiritualism. Um, yes. With how things were done in the 1800s, early 1900s with spiritualism, uh, understanding mm-hmm. how some people were like deeply involved and mm-hmm. believed everything. And then there were those people that were going to capitalize on it mm-hmm. that were frauds that everyone believed because they tapped into that belief system of there is something else going on. Not to say that there wasn't. We don't know, right? But like, sure. it definitely was a trend. It definitely was something that was done at that time in a way that it wasn't any other time. Mm-hmm. And people capitalized on it and made money off of it. The Fox sisters, right? Like, mm-hmm. literally, that's what they did. Um, and sorry to give it away to anyone that's like, ooh, Fox sisters were psychics. No, they were frauds they cracked <laughs> and knocked and did all the shit and we did they an episode worked. on it no <laughs> debunked scullied i'll scully that one for you but um i mean even we talked about like fodor and you know mm-hmm. alma fielding and the last couple episodes on that it's very similar in the sense that there were situations that could be perceived a certain way and mm-hmm. certain people lit a fire under it to make it bigger and other people tried to squash it and say, no, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a case of people, as much as I want to molder this, I, I don't think there's enough evidence, evidence evidence, to put it under the title of a curse. I think there's a lot of weird shit. That's odd. Uh, I also think that it is probably... If you look at, like, all films in general, Mm -hmm. like, there is probably, like, some kind of lateral equivalence of what happened in The Exorcist and, like, all other films. Is that there's so many people that work on films that people are bound to die, family members are bound to die, accidents are bound to happen. It's just the nature of having large groups of people work on one project. Like right? I, I almost want to pick a random Marvel film and like and start, research it. Yeah, start doing digging because again, how many fucking thousands of people are involved in making a Marvel film from the animators to the stunt Any, people yeah. to the the extras, and how many similar tragic stories could you find if you start going through this many people's histories? Right. Well, that's the point. Is that like we we don't. People generally don't dig that way for those types of movies. Sure, because you this don't think about movie, it. Right, but if this type of movie has that implication to it, I think people are always going to want to molder. People are always mm-hmm. going to want to believe that something is out there, whether it's aliens or ghosts or demons, mm-hmm. what have you. And the fear of the unknown is consuming. And yeah. so people want to feed off of that and either profit off of it or... Mm-hmm. Just know that that is the Achilles heel of a lot of people's psyche, right? Like yeah, to understand yeah. that that is a, a vulnerable sp- space for people to be scared uh, mm-hmm. when maybe for some it might not be scary, but for others it's like the worst possible thing. And to tap into that and profit off of it is exactly what it sounds like 
happened. And like you said, PR <laughs> did a great mm -hmm. job on this. Um, and this is prior to social media. Wow. Well oh my done. God, Bravo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's weird. There's definitely certain weird things associated with this. Uh, I think it's a combination of a toxic environment, whether it's because of the director or the people that are putting, that are following the orders of hurting people and the trauma that the people that were involved in this film went through like, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. continue to go through. Like I know I was going to mention this in creepy critics corner, but it's relevant to what we're talking about is that the cursed films, show mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um did an episode on the exorcist and i watched they, it a they while did it's ago. part of my it's part of my sources yeah <laughs> i watched it a long time ago and i thought it was so interesting to, to hear from linda blair and mm -hmm. her experience now and how she reflected on it um as a, a adult right and mm -hmm, that was her mm -hmm. as a child to go through what she went through yeah. is extra 12. traumatic 12. yeah yeah like you're super easily influenced at that point in your life. And to have that be like one of your most influential moments that makes you famous for the rest of your life. Like that's pretty intense. So like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's implications in this film that are definitely, uh, traumatizing, whether it's people who watched it or people who went through the, the filming of it. But, mm -hmm. um, I don't think there's a curse associated with it. I think that that's a stretch. I think that that's a PR, uh, like, opportunity but i'm curious to see did you ever find out when um the label curse was first introduced with the exorcist uh, from what i could uh tell from from the digging i did is it it really was leading up to the opening that that you saw it being kind of thrown around which to me further supports the idea that it was something that PR. the marketing people were leaning into. Yeah. Um, uh, more than anything else. Uh, I was hoping to find, there was a few things I was kind of hoping to find and I couldn't find a, at least not online. I couldn't find um, like that original Newsweek article. I, w I very much wanted to find it that was referenced in the, that 2004 article I read and I tried and, and Newsweek does not have archives going back that far, at least not digitally. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, from, from, from what I could tell it, it started really in the marketing for it. And I think that's very telling. Like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, if, for example, it was never mentioned before sure. opening night sure. and like information started to slip out from, you know, people who worked on the movie uh, mm -hmm. and then maybe people experiencing something while watching it without being fed any information. Mm -hmm. If that were the case, I think that would be a very different situation. Sure. But, but it's not. not the case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to so, lean on to Scully with you <gasps> on this one. You're with me. I'm with you. Oh, as much as I want to molder. I was, I was curious. I, I honestly, cause you know, I can, I, Listen, we know that I can be a little bit of a, of a cynical SOB. Um, I was curious if, if some of this was me leaning a little too much into my cynicalness or if the, 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 this actually was just kind of a load of BS. I think it's a uh, perfect storm of weird shit. Mm -hmm. um, and I think because it happened over a prolonged period of time and because the timing of the announcement of the curse... 
those two things make mm-hmm. me feel like it is not a curse. And it's just an unfortunate situation more than anything. Yeah. Especially with that, like, murder. That's so awful. Like, that's so absolutely heinous and just terrible that it's absolutely, it's not a curse. Like, and, and I don't like to say this because it's, yeah. it sucks, but, like, these kinds of things happen often. No, they do, especially um, family annihilators and, yeah. and, and uh, be it because fathers killing their families because they feel like they can't provide, they feel like they failed, they don't want to leave them behind. Like, it, it's a thing that happens. And and to me, looping it in as part of a curse is is almost disrespectful. I would agree. And I think, too, like with every other case that's like that, no one ever mentions a curse. No. Like, because ever. it's again, because it's 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 I don't know. It's it. It also just paints like this is this is somebody who who did a horrible thing and it to try and and pin it on a curse is is t- frankly to me gross. Yeah. Um, and again, do, doing a disservice to, to, to his family who died. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I think, I think too, like, it's just, it's too far of a stretch. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a good curse for people that want to believe and sure uh, that's just us if you guys listeners yeah we're curious to see what you think too like if anyone wants to give us any information that we don't already know Mm -hmm. and tell us that it's cursed sure you know where to find us i'm i'm happy to and again i i condensed some stuff because i couldn't verify some things sure um but but point us in the direction like uh uh, I am always open to to reexamining when I'm presented with the proper evidence. Evidence. I am open to to reconfiguring my opinion or my thoughts on something. Uh, yeah, but I I need evidence. Evidence to support that. Uh, I am I am somebody who needs some facts. So. Point me to some facts and, and, you know, convince me otherwise. Until then, Scully lives. <laughs> Scully lives. Scully lives. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, that was a great topic. That was a fun time. Thank you. <laughs> and this brings us to... <gasps> Kim, what you watching? Oh, dude. So, uh, 100 Days of Horror is not leaving me without anything to talk about. There's, there's lots of stuff. <laughs> um, what I, what I will say is I have been dragged into the Ted Lasso. Oh, you were telling me about this. Oh, my God. Like, and I hate when people tell me I have to watch something. I'm like, you do. Because I do it too well, all the time. Because it's annoying. <laughs> but, like, seriously, if y'all haven't watched Ted Lasso, it's such a fucking delight. But Roy Kent, man. 
Roy Kent comes on the screen, and one of the first thing you hear him say is that if everyone's not quiet, he's going to punch you in the dick. And I was just like, oh, my people. <laughs> oh. So um, I, I binged. T- it doesn't take long. The episodes are like 30 minutes long. So nice. you, you go through the episodes pretty quick. And, and currently, uh, season two is, is still running. A new episode comes out every Friday. Uh, so I, I, I watched Ted Lasso, and that was a breath of fresh air and delight and loveliness and positivity, but also heartfelt. And also, you know, there there's stuff there. There's emotion. Like, my heart beat, like, maybe four times. That's, wow. I know. Uh I also I'm I'm smack in the middle of Hundred Days of Horror, Hundred sure. Horror films I've never seen in Hundred Days. Um, there's been a lot. I went and saw Malignant because I wanted to see what everybody was talking about. If you were not heard anything about Malignant, it's been popular all over the interwebs to talk about uh, whether or not they liked it or didn't like it. It is available streaming on HBO Max. I went and saw it in theaters because I'm that asshole. Um, it is James Wan. I like James Wan. This is maybe my least favorite James Wan. There were things about it I really liked. There were things that were bonkers. It's nuts. The film is just like uh, bonkers. Uh, It drags. It has some pacing issues. It's worth watching, but I think there's more better James Wan out there. Uh, What I will say, I started watching a show called Chapel Wait. Ooh, I've heard about that, and I really want to watch it, and don't ruin anything for me. (laughs) I will give no spoilers, and I'm only two episodes in. Uh, so far, though, it's very atmospheric. Ooh. If you do not like a slow burn, skip this show. Oh, I love a slow burn. So do I. I actually think you'll like it, knowing that you like you liked the you liked Haunting of Hill House, but you liked the second series too. The I one love that was the based second more, series, yeah, because that was based on Turn of the Screw, and I love Turn of the Screw. It was, but the second series for me was a much slower burn. It was. Um, I so far have been really enjoying it. I think Adrian Brody is is fantastic, and I can't say I had a huge opinion on Adrian Brody before this. It also has I'm I need to look up the actress's name. It's Stevie from Schitt's Creek, isn't it? Oh, I love her. Yeah, uh, but I'm completely blanking on the actress's name, and I'm going to look it up because I feel bad that I know Adrian Brody's name and I don't know Emily Hampshire. Emily Hampshire, that's right. Yes, and and she's lovely. It's it's. Uh, based on a Stephen King short story, and it's it's this this man whose wife dies. This is not giving anything away that is not just a like the basic premise to the show. Sure, his wife dies, and so he brings his three children back to uh, where he was was initially born, which is a a small place in Maine back in uh, 1850. I think is when it takes place, and weird things start happening. Of course, it's Maine. No one should ever live or move to Maine. If any of our listeners are from Maine, please tell us <laughs> all the weird things I'm sure happen every day just existing in Maine. But uh, no, so far I'm, I'm actually very much enjoying it. And so uh, I'm giving it a little shout out. Uh, but again, if, you, if you're not a fan of a slow burn, this is probably not the, the show for you. It is, it is very much about building that atmosphere. That sounds really good, and I'm yeah. really excited to watch it. I feel like there is so much good TV yeah. right now that I am having a hard time finding time to watch mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. Um, because I generally 
will like to watch something and turn my brain off at the end of the night and like not actually pay attention and watch something that's just like comforting and repetitive. Sure. Yeah. Um, which I don't like to talk about on Creepy Critics Corner yeah, because, but I mean, you know. Yeah. But I got to tell you. Okay. There is a new season of what we do in the shadows. There is. I figured you'd be talking about it. Ooh, it is good. I love Nadja so much. She is my favorite person. She, you, you were her for Halloween. I but I am. She is my spirit person. Like she yeah. is my. Who needs a spirit animal when you can have a spirit vampire? It's like it a is true. Double entendre. Like it's fully. <laughs> that is who I am as a, a human. Uh, a soul, a spirit, whatever it is, Nadja. She lives within me. Um, funny as hell. She's so good. So that the first, it's actually kind of cool because I got excited to watch it when it first released and they released mm-hmm. two episodes at once, which I got like super stoked for. Cause mm-hmm. instead of just being able to watch one, I got to watch two. You got and two for second, the price of one. And I know there's more out right now. I just, I've just moved last week, so I've had no time to do anything, but, um, Hey, fun excuses. Fact, you shouldn't <laughs> move and plan a wedding at the same time. Let me just yeah, tell you now. That's a choice. That's a choice. It's a choice. Made. Don't do it. Learn Don't from my it. mistakes. Don't make a different choice. Yeah. But anyway, I haven't had much time to watch stuff, but I know that there's new episodes of what we do in the shadows out now. There's also today, which obviously is going to be a few days in the past once this releases um nailed it has new episodes which i freaking love nailed it obviously if you haven't caught on i love nicole byer she is one of my favorite people ever and so anything she does i will watch uh and apparently there's a lot of really good guests this season i know sashir zameda's on it one of nicole's best friends uh and so it's just really it's it's a great show um if you don't even like baking it's still funny it's great it's just very funny Excited to watch that. Haven't watched it yet. We'll check in with you when I watch it. But there's that. I also have been watching not really like movies at all. It's been mostly TV shows. Mm -hmm. I watched another episode of Trial by Media because I'm slowly getting through that on Netflix. I know I talked about it Mm -hmm. a couple, I think, a couple episodes ago. Um, But the most recent one that I watched, I think, is the fourth or fifth episode in. And it had to do with uh, a shooting of a a black man in the Bronx in Mm -hmm. 1999. And uh, it was just an awful, awful case where he was shot like 41 times uh, unarmed. And he was an immigrant from Africa, from Guinea. Mm -hmm. And it just, the only thing that um, was, I, I think, empowering to see through that was the process in which people were able to have a voice and speak up for the representation that he should have had. And that the fact that the the police officers were let go, like they were tried and then acquitted, which is mm. awful. Um, but his mom like was so present throughout the, this episode of um, trial by media that it just, it, it was very, it was very, very sad. It was mm. tough to watch, but it was it was good. Um, and I think it's something good for everyone to watch. If you haven't seen that that show, it's it's really informative and thoughtful um, in the way that it's given the information. Um, I also have watched an, another Netflix show. I've been hanging out on Netflix a lot. Nothing um, wrong with that. Top secret UFO projects declassified. <laughs> 
Okay, maybe a little bit run. No. <laughs> that does sound like a Gabby show, though. That's also just a fun one to pay attention to and see, like, who talks about what. However, I stumbled upon our last episode's topic accidentally by watching one of the episodes of this show just because oh, no I way. turned the show on. So no I thought way. that was kind of funny. Yeah. But it's, it's an interesting one. It talks a lot about some of the recent developments that mm-hmm. we talk about with the government finding evidence, evidence of aliens, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. So if you're into that, check it out. I guess I did have a lot of Creepy Critics Corner offerings this week. No, that was legit. Um, but yeah, stay tuned for more. You know we've always got stuff up our sleeves. So uh, having said that, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more information about us and the podcast, head on over to ghoulishtendencies.com. All of our show notes, all of our references, social medias, what have you, are all there. Um, we have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things, um, ghoulish tendencies podcast. Just look us up. You'll find it. I promise. Um, we also have a Patreon, which is wonderful. Thank you so much to all of our patrons for contributing and uh, listening to our dumb bloopers that we are happy (laughs) to provide for you as frequently as possible. So many bloopers. Um, we truly have a good time recording and you don't even hear half of it. You guys, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you now that you don't even get to hear the bloopers. So oh, if man, you want to check it the, out, some of the stuff that <laughs> it's good, especially it's if good I've stuff. had a few glasses of wine or a little bit of whiskey, which is generally the case. So <laughs> <laughs> not always, not always, <laughs> but um, no, most times, <laughs> if you would like to support us without financially supporting us, head on over to Apple podcasts and leave us a review and a yes. rating. We very much appreciate that. And we hope you're all having a great spooky season. Welcome. Yeah. Officially. We've got, uh, and we've got some cool stuff lined up for October. We have uh, a double episode that's yeah. going to be coming up. We uh, on, on, are we supposed to, are we allowed to say? I don't know. Are no, we sus- don't say uh, it. All right. Tease it. It's a double episode, but it's a, it's a kicker. It's a kicker. It's, it's, it's another case that's been on my list for a while to do. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm excited to be doing a deep dive on it. It's 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 up there with ones that I, I've had a couple of people request it, too. So, uh, yeah. So we're excited to get spooky for spooky season, even though yeah. spooky season happens year round over here at Ghoulish Tendencies. Yeah. It's just, that's just Thursday. That's just who we are. Mm-hmm. And having said that, thank you so much for listening. And stay. stay.